Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Lots to talk about this week, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. Lots to talk about. Got uh, craziness happening in Cincinnati. A wild East Coast uh, road trip for the Angels. Uninspired uh, play by the Dodgers. Yeah, something like that. It was, it was okay. Homestand for the Dodgers. And we have all-star news. So let's get to that. All right, so the All-Star rosters have been uh, selected. The voting's done by everybody. And now it's just a matter of uh, going to play the game. There are some roster changes that may happen. Players that are injured uh, or for some other reason aren't going to be able to um, to come and play. And we're starting to see some um, shape taking form for the Home Run Derby, which is generally... Uh, the players kind of wait and see who's been, did I get selected to the all-star game? Cause if not, maybe I don't want to go anyway, you know, things like that. So we got the starting lineup set. Now we have the reserves and the pitchers that have been selected through player votes. Uh, we don't know who's starting yet as of recording time. Uh, we both, have our uh, selection of the pitchers that probably should start uh, whether it happens that way or not we'll see but so let's uh let's start with that let's go down the list of reserves for... so for the american league we'll start with american league starts with a <laughs> all right so it looks like those uh those basic uh hooked on phonics and uh, and that other program you're on is working out nicely it Good. is it is all right, Jordan Alvarez of Astros, Xander Bogarts, Jose Ramirez, Jose Trevino, uh, Luis Arais, um, Andres Jimenez of Cleveland, George Springer, Byron Buxton, Andrew Benatendi, Kyle Tucker, your favorite, and Julio Rodriguez. And then uh, Miguel Cabrera, Mickey, was selected by the commissioner's office as a special selection. What is it? The um, all-star legend or something like that? I don't yeah. know. I don't think they had a, a special name for it. Yeah. So he gets a spot in there. And then if we, and, and you know what? Let's look at the reserves because is there anybody in there or who isn't in there? Because I've heard a lot of Ty France. Seattle's upset. He's not there. Fans are upset. And he has even said, I think I belong there, but he's not there. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Um, he was high up in the voting. Um, yeah, he was. The It was uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Ty France. Those were the top two when it went to phase two. And, of course, Vladdy won. Vladdy Jr. won that, and then I would have thought he would have been in the reserves, but he's not. 
Yeah, that's um, that's kind of strange. So at that point, you wonder, you know, should uh, should they have picked these legends? Miguel Cabrera took his spot. Yeah, I guess that's that that would be uh, a good argument there that he maybe took his spot. I mean, he now there's always possibility that he could come in depending on what's going on. Um, because I mean, you can't pick everybody. Not everybody can be on the All Star on the All Star team. No, but you know, if you've got um, what like six Yankees, including pitchers, show up on this team. There's four asterisks on the team. Maybe Kyle Tucker doesn't need to be an all-star. Ty France does. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. And the other thing is, is that um, Ty France had been injured and, and having those issues. Did that play into in the player's minds? Oh, well, he's out anyway. He's probably not going to play, so we don't worry about him. Or is it he's in Seattle, and it just seems like Seattle kind of gets kind of a forgotten place sometimes. Even when they're winning, it seems like it's kind of a forgotten team. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of, you know, who probably, if he keeps going the way he's going, Julio Rodriguez will be Rookie of the Year. Um, for the American League, so uh, he's the exception there. Um, yeah, let's look at pitchers, uh, the starters for the American League. Uh, Shane McClanahan of the race, Nestor Cortez of the Yankees, Alex Manoa of the Blue Jays, uh, Framber Valdez of the Astros, Martin Perez of the Rangers, Paul Blackburn of the A's, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander and Shohei Otani. Is it Justin Verlander? Couldn't he be considered a uh, a classic uh, All Star pick or a legend All Star pick? He could, but he's not in this case. Maybe next year. Actually, it's it's interesting because Justin Verlander has um, a mirror, if you will, in the National League staff. Yeah, he does which we will get to after I tell you who the relief pitchers are for the American League. Clay Holmes of the Yankees, uh, Emmanuel Clace of Cleveland, Gregory Soto of Detroit, and Jorge Lopez of Baltimore. Pretty solid. uh, I mean, everybody on there has been having uh, a decent year. Just saw Jorge Lopez from Baltimore pitching. Uh, over this last week, and um, he's he's pretty solid. I would say he's an all-star for sure. All right, let's move to the National League and start with the reserves. Uh, William Contreras of Atlanta. Of course, we know he's the DH. Bryce Harper is out, so William Contreras. So MLB and the Contreras brothers get their wish of the two brothers playing in the all-star game because Wilson Contreras uh, was the, or is the starting catcher. Uh, Nolan Arenado, Jeff McNeil of the Mets, Travis Darno, CJ Crone of the Rockies, Dansby Swanson, Darno and Swanson are there. <laughs> Schwarber, uh, Juan Soto, uh, did I just say Schwarber? I just call him Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber of <laughs> Philadelphia. 
or Michael Schwarber, however you want to say it. Uh, Juan <laughs> Soto, Starling Marte of the Mets, and Ian Happ of the Cubs are reserves. And then Albert Pujols is chosen by the commissioner's office as that legend pick. And he makes it. It's not that they, that Miggy doesn't as well. They're kind of mirroring each other also um, as far as, uh, you know, where they stand in the game right now. Um, Albert obviously is the active home run leader up high, number five on the uh, on the all time list. And I was hoping for number four, but he's going to have to go on a tear in the second half if that's going to that's going to happen to to get past uh, uh, a fraud. And then if we look at the uh, National League starters, Clayton Kershaw, uh, ninth uh, all-star for him, uh, all-star game for him. Uh, Sandy Alcantara of the uh, Marlins, Corbin Burns, Luis Castillo, Max Fried, Joe Musgrove, and Tony Godson, who is Justin Verlander's mirror. Well, I would say that... Um that Clayton Kershaw and Justin Verlander based on where they are in their careers. And I think this is both their ninth all-star games and um, that that's what I was thinking, but yeah, Tony Gonsolin. Well, I was thinking of records that at least for the season. There's that two mirrors. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking more Clayton just because they're both, veterans they've both been to the all-star game like i said i think both of them this is their ninth selection and uh for godslin it's his first and um and i think honestly from all-star status i think he's doing more than uh verlander is uh, but you know it's cool too verlander's coming off of a couple years of injury tommy john and, yeah. uh, and and coming back around. I was surprised that this was Max Fried's first All-Star selection. I was thinking yeah, that he had been there before. Yeah, that surprised me too. I would have thought that he would have been there. It makes that made sense to me because he's always been um, a good pitcher. I don't think that there's been a year where he's been off. Right. He always seems to be right up there at the top of everything. And then um, David Bednard is a name that I recently heard in trade rumors. Mm, Well, he will be representing Pittsburgh in the relief pitchers category. Uh, Yeah, David Bednar, he's someone that the Dodgers know well. Um, He uh, closed them out many times over the this season. Good thing they don't have to see them again. Uh, Edwin Diaz of the Mets, Josh Hader, uh, Ryan Helsley of the Cardinals, and then Joe Mantiply of Arizona. Um, I was like, who is that? <laughs> I had to look up his name, and I'm still not sure if I said it right. But uh, yeah, the only two that I really that I really that stood out to me was Josh Hader, of course. He kind of is a fixture. And then David Bednar, because of the agony um, he caused me as a Dodger fan. You know, what's interesting is is he is the only pirate named to the team. And you would have thought that maybe Brian Reynolds might have been there, um, at least him. 
you know, uh, maybe even Joe Sawinski might have been there. He's been having a pretty good year overall, it seems like, that uh, might have been all-star worthy. All right, so we've got that all set. Now we just uh, are waiting, like I said, on uh, the all-star starter to be um, announced. Uh, while you would like to see Tony Gonsolin get the the nod for that, uh, if he doesn't, who's your next choice? I think it would be really cool to see Clayton Kershaw start the All-Star game at Dodger Stadium on his mound, his, you know, home mound. I think that'd be really cool. I have a feeling that it might be... Uh, I think it might be uh, Sandy Alcantara of Miami. I just kind of have, I don't, I'm not sure. I could be, to- it could be totally, we'll, we'll see. Brian Snicker is the manager for the NL team. Dusty Baker is the manager for the American League side. Um, Dave Roberts is on the coaching staff. So he might be able to, you know, campaign a little, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, Sandy Alcantara wouldn't be a bad choice for that. He's having a great year. Another player that I just recently got to see uh, play. So, yes, we will see that. Now, with with All-Star Week, uh, you got the the big game on Tuesday there at Dodger Stadium. On Monday is uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, extras of any All-Star games. Uh, and that's the home run derby. I think that almost that the home run derby has even gotten bigger than the game. I mean, the game is fun. Um, It doesn't mean the same thing. I know we've talked about this in the past. You know, it's not, it used to be, um, you know, it's National League versus American League. Obviously it still is, but, you know, there was more, there was more to it because there wasn't the interleague play. Um, so now the home run derby, the game is exciting most, you know, for the most part, um, it's fun, but the home run derby, I think is what a lot of fans look forward to. I know I do. Um, but Pete Alonzo going for the three peaked polar bear is back. something that has never been done three times in a row. Now there is one three time champion of the home run derby. But it wasn't consecutive. He went back to back. And when he tried to do the third back to back, he ended up getting beat. But he had won one off earlier on. Do you know who the only three-time home run derby champion is? I'm going to say. Bueller. Bueller. Mark McGuire. No. Oh. No. This guy's actually in the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. And he did it. Just as a big hint, he did it with his hat backwards. Oh, Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. <laughs> of course. Junior Junior has three home run derby titles, two of them back-to-back, but uh, was not able to get the third one. He was beat in that last one. So now Pete gets his shot. And he was the first one to sign on. And will he be able to go back-to-back? To back, will he be able to do uh, as Pat Riley once called uh, the Lakers championship run a three peat? I don't know. We'll see. Um, after he announced that he was going to be in the home run derby, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, has signed up 
uh, Juan Soto and the surprise Albert Pujols in the home run derby. Wow. That now, would be that would be cool if he could win that on the way out the door. And if they would uh I think you well, I know you did. You told me yesterday it's like that'd be cool if it just they counted those towards his career total. Yeah, I why not? I mean, their home runs just put them in the total. Now for Albert, it probably would have been better if this year's uh, all-star game had been in Houston because just because Mike Trout can't hit in Houston, Albert Pujols Albert owns can. Minute Maid. <laughs> I think the Crawford boxes or whatever they call them, they might as well call them the Pujols boxes. It's the Pujols train that runs up there because he's hit up on the tracks numerous times. Now, could they do a special uh, satellite where he is in Minute Maid. The rest of them are at Dodger Stadium, but he gets, because he's a legend, and he gets to pick where he wants to hit home runs. Right. Yeah, that would be. He hit a few home runs when he was with the Dodgers last year. And, oh, yeah. And probably if we looked, he probably hit a fair amount of his uh, 684 home runs at Dodger Stadium when he was with the uh, the Cardinals and the Angels. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So those, uh, four guys right now are. So it's, uh, it's three National League East guys and Albert. Yeah. And Albert. It's an interdivisional home run derby so far. I'm sure we'll see, you know, a few sign on. We need some American leaguers to uh, hop up there and, uh, and get going. Um, you know, once again, a lot of these guys will, say no i don't want to i don't want to do it because i'm not i'm not on the all-star team so i don't want to take the extra time to go to to la or to wherever the all-star game is i'm just going to take this time off yeah i would take the time off and then just hit all the home runs in the second half um, of the season right right that would be my plan last year pete alonzo hit 79 home runs over three three rounds. Um, I think it was uh, the year before, uh, Vladdy Jr. hit like 75 in two rounds. So that's what you got to shoot for, for the second half. 75 yes. home runs on top of what Let's you already see have. if anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty incredible. 75. That's That's the one nice thing is that the numbers, even in those couple of years, where, you know, it seemed like the numbers were starting to fall when McGuire broke uh, Maris's uh, single season record. And uh, and then Sammy Sosa had had over 60 uh, a couple of different years during his time. And then, of course, uh, Barry Bonds and uh, and his total for for a season and then career. Uh, those numbers, even those guys had those big numbers, but it's all settled down and it didn't become that where people were hitting. Oh, the second half I'll hit 75 home runs. It's, it hasn't hit that. Uh, you know, people are, the numbers are still pretty standard historically. All right. Also during the week, uh, all-star week, we're going to have the draft. We will talk a little more about that, uh, next week. Uh, but one, one guy who I'm interested to see what happens with, was uh, picked up by the Mets last year, but the Mets non-tendered him. 
And with good reason, this guy was uh, injured, and that's Kumar Rocker out of Vanderbilt. So Kumar Rocker's had to sit around, rehab from his his surgery, had to uh, get back out there and uh, and work without a team uh, to assist him. Uh, he's had a couple of workouts that I've heard about that he's looking pretty good. So we'll see who picks him up this time. And will he go high in the draft or will he be a, um, okay, if this guy's not here, we'll go for him or like a later first round, late or, you know, second rounder. Um, you know, I just, I wonder, I haven't heard a lot about how excited they are about him one way or the other. Um, so we'll see about that and who else, uh, goes and will the angels pick 10 more pitchers? Right. <laughs> Yeah, because last year was how many? Twenty. Uh, yeah, right. They went. They went twenty. Uh, every round, they just picked a pitcher. So yeah, <laughs> and one really of them seem... could be Kumar Rocker. It could be. You never know. They need all the pitching help they can get, but they kind of need major league ready pitching help right now. Uh, now I did hear that. The Braves and the Royals had a uh, trade, and uh, the Braves sent minor league, I think about three minor league players, and uh, to Kansas City for Kansas City's draft pick. Right, which is a weird thing, and it threw me off for a second because I forgot in the new uh, CBA... They can trade draft picks like they do in the NFL, like they do in the NBA that uh, you can do. I'm not sure. I don't remember what the details were about that, but being able to trade up to get somebody or to trade yourself into the right bonus slot, because that was another thing that came up was like, this is a $2 million bonus slot that they've moved into. And they have, um, I think the Braves had more uh bonus money all you know saved up than any other team so that part is a you know so we might see some more trades to get you know a couple of uh a couple of batter or a couple of pitchers for somebody or a couple of minor leaguers for a team that wants to move up because they're trying to um maybe get kumar rocker all right tuesday the 19th the all-star game comes to dodger stadium and uh, now you know who's supposed to be there. Like I said, there could be some changes to rosters if there's injuries or, uh, you know, a player may be able to bow out just because even though they're not officially on the IL, maybe there's a reason why. Or their their spot in the rotation comes up right before the All-Star game, like the pitcher's not going to pitch then. So you might see some changes to that. But those are the folks that were officially voted in as the all-stars it's time for dodger baseball before we get into the dodgers week of uninspired baseball we want to uh pay homage to someone who was a big inspiration to dodgers baseball former scout mike brito uh, of the dodgers he was always a fixture there if you're not sure about the name uh, he showed up in a lot of different things. There was always pictures of him around and, uh, you would see him behind home plate with his radar gun and the cigar 
and uh, he, like I said, was a fixture around there. Uh, Mike Brito has uh, passed away at the age of 87. One of the biggest things that uh, that he did was uh, sign Fernando Valenzuela. And then on top of that was uh, was the guy who he there was another player who threw the screwball and they had uh, he said, hey, we need to teach that to Fernando. And Fernando took to it and that became his signature pitch. And who knows if Fernando hadn't been taught the screwball, what his career would have been like, because that changed everything for him. Yeah. And Fernando mania overtook Dodger stadium and, uh, still a fixture. Fernando Valenzuela, you know, just a legend in, uh, for the Dodgers and uh, yeah, discovered by Mike Brito. Uh, he also discovered Yasiel Puig and um, Julio Urias. Just to name, just to name a few. Just a few. Yeah. I mean, when you look back at, at some of the players, so Urias, uh, Victor Gonzalez, who we haven't seen pitch lately, but he found him. Um, Ismael Valdez, remember him? Yeah. Uh, he was another one. Uh, and then uh, he also um, helped facilitate other players even through the years, um, you know, that came like you had mentioned, Yasiel Puig was one of them. And uh, in fact, uh, Yasiel Puig tweeted out, you changed my life, Mike Brito, you and your white hats are uh, hashtag legend, hashtag RIP. Yeah, Mike Brito, uh, I always, you always knew where he was behind home plate, as you mentioned, Panama hat cigar and a radar gun so a big loss for the the dodger family uh he like i said when you go back and you look at his total um contribution over the years to the dodgers he's he's meant a lot to him uh he was a minor leaguer at one time and uh like a lot of players uh just didn't work out for him as a player but obviously had an eye for um for uh Finding good baseball players. All right. So uninspired, boring Dodger baseball. So boring. I I mean, most of the time I was watching these games and like, should I just turn this off and do something else? So the Dodgers made good use of uh, some brooms that were left behind by the pirates. Yeah, they had left them in that video room um, right. that the that, Mets were complaining about. Right. They figure, well, we'll leave them in there, and if the other team wants to clean up of the the rat stuff that's going on in there, then have at it. Uh, and on this ho- on this home stand. Uh, they welcomed in the Rockies and the Cubs, but they weren't necessarily hospitable uh, hosts. No, while they, they welcomed were them not. in. They uh, they went on to sweep both series, and on the homestand went ten and one. We talked about last week with the uh, Padres being in there. That was the uh, the only game they lost out of the eleven of the homestand. Yeah, uh, this homestand the way the Dodgers played is probably the best 
that I have seen this team play this season. Uh, they are, they have gelled together and uh, they were, I mean, it was fun, fun games and, uh, and the Rockies can be tough with the Dodgers. You know, they, for whatever reason, um, they, they can play tough, but this time it was all LA and um, in the first game, uh, the Dodgers won five to three. Julio Arias is on the mound, pitches six innings, gives up five hits, only one run, has seven uh, strikeouts in that game. Uh, Trace Thompson had a home run, the go-ahead home run, to put the Dodgers up five to three and win that game. Now, do you think that um, Julio not making the All-Star game is a snub? Uh, should he have been there instead of Leighton? Um, I don't know. I don't, I think I, I like Julio, but he has had some rough outings this season. And, uh, I think he's an all-star. I just don't know if this year was be the year for Julio. Um, and I think he needs the rest. I think he needs the, the downtime. Um, I would have loved to have seen him there, but uh, if I had to choose, if you would say, okay, Clayton or Julio, I would, I would go with Clayton. Okay. Uh, in that game as well, they uh, they had to face Kyle Freeland, who wasn't on his best stuff, uh, but he did go five and two thirds, six hits, four runs, did strike out five. Jose Iglesias, who uh, had his way with the Dodgers in Denver with a home run as well as All Star CJ Crone. Uh, getting uh, a uh, around the base trip uh, courtesy of uh, of the Dodgers um, one thing I, I a big stat I saw was uh, about Justin Turner uh, who was three for four in this game JT since uh, the middle of August middle of August middle of June is uh, the best in the National League and maybe even in baseball hitting 380 since june 18th yeah it's crazy the turnaround that we've seen with jt uh we all know as a dodger fan you're like okay um april he's not really going to do a lot um may you know he starts heating up and this year he wasn't really you know it's like okay when is jt when is it he when's jt going to heat up and he finally has and it's been great to see. I mean, he was mm. our player of the week last week for the Dodgers um, because of, you know, the way he came in and just was, he just gets hits. And when you need him, you know, gets the singles, gets the RBIs, gets home runs. Um, yeah. Good to sure see enough. it. I'd love to see it. And it, it's kind of cool because you'll see as we talk about some of these games that while JT shows up and he's he's playing consistently now and and consistent at the bat there's a few other names that pop up in different games we've seen trace thompson is uh is really uh being part of uh of the team and contributing um and so it's not necessarily the same guys every night um gavin lux i think has done two things so far is that uh he's he's been great with the bat 
that's good. He's still got some some defensive issues out there. We talked about him not knowing when to get out of the way on fly balls or or when to call it, when to to back off and how to back off. Um, so he's had those, but I think he's increased his trade value. And while I don't think they're going to trade him, the Dodgers are looking to be in the Luis uh, Castillo sweepstakes here, or at least Frankie Montas or somebody else. That's a, what is being considered, you know, a top, a top line uh, starter to try to bring in, to help shore up uh, the staff. Um, could Gavin Lux be somebody that goes along with a, uh, a minor leaguer or two? Mm. And think about if you're Cincinnati, do you consider somebody like Gavin Lux, who you know can hit, is serviceable in the field, and build around him? He could be the face of the Cincinnati Reds resurgence, the first piece uh, the first consistent piece, at least with the bat, uh, to join Joey. Well, he could join Joey Votto and and uh, and they could rebuild the big red machine. Could Gavin Lux be part of something like that? I don't know. I don't. Would I'd you like, like you. to see them try? <laughs> I don't know. I know in the past I've always been. If a trade comes up, I'm always like, oh, Lux is always part of the of the deal. Uh, this time, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think we were trading for groundskeepers one time, and you were like, and throw in Gavin Lux, too. Yes. He's a great groundskeeper. Look at how he keeps the mound. He Hot wants dog benders. We were trading. And yes, Gavin Lux. Whatever. He's he's being traded for two ticket takers and, uh, and a uh, concessionaire. That's what happened in the Cubs uh, Philadelphia trade that we talked about last week with the right, right with the vendors there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean anything is possible. I don't know that that would happen though, um, that, because he is, you know, he was their top prospect. He didn't look like a top prospect, and now he's finally coming into his own. And right. I think that they like to mold that some more. Sure. But wouldn't you think, too, that at some point, maybe the Dodgers think about Cody Bellinger and wonder if if they would have traded him two seasons ago for something, that they'd be better off because Cody's not re- regained fully ever regained his form since his MVP season. The one thing that I do say about having Cody there is that he's um, he's a great fielder. I never worry about when a ball's hit in his direction, especially him and Mookie out there. I never think about is there going to be a problem? Yeah, defensively, um, he's always been great. The bat, he's just not like he was. You know, he has his times here and there. I mean, he pops up here with, uh, you know, in one of the games with a three for four night and scores a couple of runs. But, you know, you wonder, what is it? I mean, I guess they can what if in baseball. Well, if anything, you can what if yourself to death. Uh, Friedman does a usually does a pretty good job. He's a he seems to be a master at uh, at manipulating his roster 
and uh, and having the right people in there. And all that Cody's got to do is come up when uh, when you need him, because you got Mookie, Freddie, Trey, uh, JT coming around. Uh, Gavin Lux is hitting the ball well. Um, Will Smith. Will Smith for sure. Um, one guy in this second game. Uh, that seems to be coming on now is a guy that um, was talked a lot about maybe moving into the closer role after Kinley left. And it comes up every once in a while more about uh, that as Kimbrell has his issues. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. But first, uh, rookie Ryan Pepio. Yeah, uh, Ryan Pepio, um, first Major League win against the Rockies, went five innings, gave up four hits, one run, had one walk and six strikeouts. Uh, Looked really good, looked a lot more comfortable on the mound than in times before where we've seen him uh, pitch. So that was a really good, um, I guess, preview of what's to come for Ryan. Maybe they'll trade him to the Reds or Luis Castillo. I don't know. And he could be part of the rebuilding of the big red machine. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Uh, Max uh, Max had a pretty good night, as did Mookie, both of them with home runs. Uh, Max was uh, two for two with two walks, two RBIs, yeah, a, a double. Yeah, had a double home run in that game. Like you said, uh, Mookie had a home run. Uh, JT two for four in that game. Lux had a triple. And a lot of that all off of Herman Marquez. Another one of those uh, Colorado pitchers that when you hear his name, you think, oh man. And, uh, but it it makes me wonder too about the Dodgers. uh, When they played in Colorado, we talked about the issues about getting there late and then adapting to being in, you know, the, the different atmosphere there could it be that, you know, they're at home. It's all normal, made it easy to, uh, to play the Rockies. Yeah. I think when you're at sea level, it makes it a lot lot easier. Um, yeah, altitude definitely has a part. If you're not used to, you know, you don't live in a high altitude place and you go and visit, uh, you get fatigued really easy. You got to drink a lot of water. You got to take care of yourself. And then, of course, getting in late doesn't help. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible that with this game or this series, being at home was a big help for the Dodgers instead of being a mile high. All right. The the series wrapped up with a, uh, a two-to-win, two-to-one victory and Mitch White on the hill. Yeah, another guy that is really coming into his own. We've seen him in different positions or uh, roles as far as like coming out of the bullpen. Um, Now with some injuries with Andrew Haney, um, he's been in the starting rotation and he went five and two thirds innings. He gave up one hit, um, one run, had four walks um, and six strikeouts, but he still looks a lot better he also like i said is someone that is like figuring it out um looks a lot more comfortable on the mound so when you see his name and you're like oh he's a starter okay how long is this gonna go i don't know i think i feel a little bit more comfortable 
with Mitch White on the mound than I did previously. Um, and then, of course, the, the bullpen came in, and you had David Price, um, Yancy Almonte against his you know, former team, the Rockies, and then Craig Kimbrell, who does give me the heart palpitations of a great um, how many runs is he going to give up? And what's going to happen? And this time he didn't give up any. I thought you just liked his ponytail. So you got that little extra. <laughs> I got heart- the heart palpitations. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> no. Uh, no, not at all. Um, yeah. This one was kind of a crazy one. Um, it was one to one. It's tied up. Uh, Mookie Betts comes to the plate. Uh, Daniel Bard, who has been uh, the re- closer for the Rockies, and he usually is just lights out. Um, they had a Mookie Betts hits a bouncer over his head, and uh, Cody Bellinger was on third, and he came in and scored, and Mookie walked it off with a bouncer over. With a builder's choice. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Cody scored both runs that night uh, of the two to one. And really, that's the only thing that kind of sucked for Mitch White was that he qualified for a decision. But the Dodgers didn't score any runs till the bottom of the night to walk it off, like I said. And uh, so Craig Kimball walks away with the W, but not because he blew the save and then was the pitcher of record when they scored the runs to win. It was actually right. just they didn't score any runs uh, along the way. It was a low-scoring night for sure. So the uh, so the the Rockies uh, pack up their stuff, um, probably defile the um, the video room just to just to be mean, to be spiteful after getting swept by a Dodgers team that looks like they're kind of finally coming together. And uh, and they uh, they welcome in the Cubs and they do something that has never happened in franchise series, history. The Dodgers swept the season series from the Cubs. And it's the very first time in Dodger history. That they've ever swept them for a whole season series. They've swept right. maybe one part or another part, but never the full series. That's the full series. And in this particular series, this four-game series, this is crazy to me, but this is the first four-game sweep of the Cubs since 1965 in L.A. So we're talking Cubs were facing Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale. This is the last time it happened, you know, a special year, 1965. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so crazy, but the games were crazy. They were the first game, probably not so much. Uh, Dodgers win that game five to three. Catman is on the mound. Um, seven innings, gives up four hits, two runs, um, only has three strikeouts, does give up a home run in this game. And, um, and then Craig Kimbrell comes in. You know, he's supposed to save the game. And he gives up two hits and a run. And has two strikeouts. And who comes in and gets his first save 
Alex Vesia, who you love to see on the mound because he's got this energy and he thrives off of the crowd. They're going crazy. I think at this point at, they were um, chanting. I think there were some chants going on in the stadium. We want Kenley when Kimbrell <laughs> was on the mound. Uh, but Alex Vesia comes in and strikes out um, strikes out the batter that he faced and wins the game and they win the game. Um, and the funny thing is, is he gets so pumped up and he's yelling and yeah. And then here comes Will Smith. Like, yeah, good job. You did it. You know, <laughs> just kind of, all right. He's talked about that. It's like when, uh, you know, some, some teams, when they come in, there's the big celebration about a home run or, or whatever. Um, these guys are just like, yeah, fist bump. All right, way to go. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in this game, Mookie Betts had two home runs. Uh, Trey Turner chipped in with a double. JT had a home run. Gavin Lux had a home run. And uh, Trace Thompson had a double to help lift the Dodgers to uh, over Mark Leiter Jr. Uh, yeah, who major is the nephew, Mark right? His son, and then his nephew to Al Leiter, who's MLB uh, analyst and probably the more successful of the Leiter brothers. Yes, uh, Mark Leiter would actually come in and pitch uh, in relief in a, a couple of games as well during the series. Uh, Ian Happ had a uh, an OK series for the Cubs, all star, showing why. And uh, in this next game. Ian had a, a nice little moment with starter Tyler Anderson. Yes, Ian. What kind of name is Ian? Eon. Oh, it's going. Eon. Eon Miller. Eon. Eon Hop. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, in this game. It's a Zinnings game, which we're all get a little leery about. But Tyler Anderson comes in. He's pitching, goes seven innings, gives up five hits, three runs, has four strikeouts. But the issue came when Ian Happ comes to try to score a run at home plate. And uh, Tyler Anderson has the ball in his glove. He is going to be out. And I guess he just, Ian just figured, hey, I know I'm out. I'm just going to charge him. And he does. And uh, he gets pushed to the ground. <laughs> now, to be fair, it wasn't Pete Rose, Ray Fossey kind of no. um, collision. He wasn't going full speed. And it wasn't as if it was like a full, like, I'm going to get through this and knock the ball loose and, you know, whatever. He kind of drops his shoulder down, but he didn't really run into him very hard. But it was enough that he was trying to run through him, though. And yeah. uh, and and Tyler Anderson had the upper hand and basically did a little bit of an Olay move. But instead of just moving out of the way and letting Ian Happ's uh, energy take him down or whatever, he physically uh, assisted him to the ground by... As he turned to get off of him, he put his hands on his back and pushed him down and forward. 
and then walked off like nothing. He didn't stand around and wait for confrontation. However, when Ian Happ got up and was like, hey, he did turn around and look at him. But, you know, it really didn't. Uh, no fireworks, was, no melee, no then. brawl. No. Which was kind of surprising. You'd have thought that something after that, there'd be a little something. But no. Nope. Yeah, and there wasn't. Yeah, and even after the game, Tyler Anderson was asked about that, what happened. And he said, you know, this is what happened. And he goes, he plays with a lot of energy. Um, I like it. I, I didn't, you know, it, you know, in the moment, it was, you know, that kind of thing. It was just in the moment. But afterwards... Yeah, it happened, and it's not a big deal. So, uh, but it was kind of fun to see. Uh, you just don't see him like that. Um, he seems pretty calm for the most yeah. part, and uh, so when he pushed him down, it's like, "Ooh, okay." Yeah, I was like, so, "What's, what's, what's about what's about to happen here?" <laughs> uh, he doesn't. Uh, even though he went seven innings, he doesn't get the win because they did go to Zennings. Evan Phillips picks up the W on that. The Dodgers uh, left ten runners on base and were one for nine with runners in scoring position. Uh, if they had uh, been able to convert some of those, uh, it wouldn't have been a four to three Zenning victory. But uh, miracles can happen twice and uh two zinnings games in a row with a victory yeah and i think the the uh recipe for the dodgers is to make sure that if you know you're going into zinning somehow get trey turner up to bat say get an out you know don't just you know if Be you the can last out and be the last out, right? Be the last out. So he is the automatic runner, because I heard that is the correct term. People don't like ghost runner because a ghost, you can't see them. And a ghost runner really is just um, Tim Anderson. We're just going to give him that. Tim Anderson is <laughs> the omnipotent, omnipresent uh, base runner. Yeah. So Trey Turner is the automatic runner on second is the key now the ghost runner there and that was trey turner um they walk freddie freeman to get to will smith now will smith was like yeah whatever now if it had been max muncie it would have been crazy i don't know what would have happened maybe there would have been a brawl (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh but Will Smith gets up there and uh, hits a single, and Trey Turner was off and running. And I think before the even ball, the ball even got to left field, he had already was rounding third. Um, the left fielder of the Cubs didn't even bother to pick the ball up; he just ran off the field. He was <laughs> running towards it, kind of, kind of uh, bit down a little bit, like he was going to come up with it, and then realized and just, eh, never mind. I kept going. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. You Some can't get, you can't get Trey. Keepers going to get a ball to, tonight. That's how yes. he was looking at. So they, uh, they picked that up. Jake lamb does uh DH that night and grabs a, uh, or hits a home run for the Dodgers, uh, taking us to game three and, uh, Kershaw on the bump to, uh, to, I don't know, solidify his, um, all-star resume, I guess, to to get uh, in there and get those last feed, votes. 
Yeah, and to feed the LA area so that all of you could get jumbo jacks because he had 10 strikeouts in that game. Just Sometimes him. they put six pitchers up and it, they don't get Can't there. do it. Everyone eats. Yes, he was feeding the Southland. And that was Clayton Kershaw, seven and two-thirds innings, five hits, two runs, uh, uh, 10 Ks. I mean, 10 strikeouts. He looked great. Um, Evan Phillips comes in, and uh, and then Craig Kimbrell with his 15th save. And I'm sure uh, Clayton might have been sweating it when uh, Kimbrell <laughs> came <laughs> on the mound. Um, another uh, night and another home run for Jake Lamb. Yep. And uh, I was going to mention Marcus Stroman was on the mound for the Cubs. This was his first start um, after coming off the uh, IL. He went four innings, um, gave up two hits, but didn't give up any runs, um, had three strikeouts. So maybe he was probably for the- still a little dizzy from riding the wheel. Yeah, just a little bit. But I think his outing was enough for the Cubs to think, okay, maybe, you know, he's, he's, he's looking better after his, uh, after his ride on the wheel. Uh, Mookie Betts two for four in that game. Trey Turner had a double, like you mentioned, uh, Jake Lamb, he hit the tying home run of the game to make it two to two. And, um, and then the Dodgers just come up. Lux was two for four. Bellinger, um, you know, was one for four. They all, Everybody was contributing in some way, uh, except for uh, Max Muncie. Yeah, well, that's all right. <laughs> you know, I mean, if he can have more good nights than not, that's what we want to see for that. But um, I just don't. I'm I'm beginning to wonder if um, if he's going to to be able to fully come back uh, to you know, at least uh, closer to who he's been um, as long as that elbow uh, is, you know, I mean, it's his off elbow. It's not like he's throwing with it. So it's not a problem there, but as long as that's a problem, you know, and it bugs him and it's his lead elbow. um, I mean, it's his back elbow when he's batting, but you know, when you're following through it's gotta, it's gotta be taking its toll on there, and it might, might not even, it might hurt when he swings. Uh, yeah, know. and I would, I would not be surprised if we hear uh, that at some point, maybe probably not during the season, but um, that he eventually will get surgery on that elbow. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's probably uh, in the talks for uh, this coming off season. Now, you said it was a crazy series so far. Seems kind of tame. They saved a lot of the craziness, uh, including a first inning grand slam for the final game of the series. Uh, Julio back on the bump for the Dodgers. And he and Drew Smiley. The starter for the Cubs had almost identical lines. Uh, both only went two innings. Uh, only three hits given up by uh, Julio, five uh, given up by Smiley. But Julio gave up five runs, and Smiley only gave up four runs. Yeah, that's that game was crazy. I um, turned it on a 
a little bit late. I think it was like a um, 110 start. So I turned it on probably almost, you know, 20 minutes after, and it was already five to nothing. And I was like, what has happened? What is going on? Um, had no idea. And it. it was still the top of the first. And it was still the top of the first. We weren't even out of it. It was already five to nothing. Uh, yeah, Julio, I don't know. He was laboring on the mound. I did think it was good for him in that first inning. I think he had 40 plus pitches. And I think it was good for him for them to let him go out and pitch the second inning. And he was able to, you know, it was pretty much a, you know, one, two, three inning, just a basic Julio inning. Um, and then, of course, that was the end because by that time, you know, he'd already, you know, by that time he was like, you know, over 50 pitches, 60 pitches, something crazy like that. Right. Um, so, but then you had uh, Phil Bickford who comes in and it was his birthday and he gives up two hits and three runs, um, gives up a home run. And uh, he's the winner of the game. So he did get the win, the winning pitcher for his birthday. Um, but it was the bullpen that came in afterward that uh, that helped, it, it, with the exception of David Price, who he gave up one run. But, uh, yeah, it was just a crazy game because – like you said, at one point it was five to nothing. Then the Dodgers get three of those runs back, so it's five to three. And then Phil Bickford comes in and Cubs hit a home run, and it is eight to three. And you're like, okay, this is crazy. And it was the third inning by this point. And the Dodgers come back and win. 11 to 9. Um, it was almost a four-hour game. Yeah, Freddie, Freddie Freeman was uh, the, the big gun uh, for the Dodgers uh, during this uh, marathon. Uh, four for five, two RBIs, two runs scored, a home run, and a double. Uh, the usual suspects as of lately, Trey Turner, Gavin Lux, and... Uh, JT, Justin Turner, all had two hits. Uh, Trey, two RBIs on there. Uh, PJ Higgins was uh, was the Cub who hit the Grand Slam in the first inning. And it was and, his first Grand Slam. Um, Nelson Velasquez and uh, David Booty all uh, contributed home runs in that uh, 11-9 win. Now, we talked about um, a guy who was considered or, or was like – thought to be the heir apparent to Kenley Jansen. And uh, he picked up his second save in game two of the Rocky series. And he picked up his third save in this 11 to nine game. And he's starting to look like what we thought he would be in relation to becoming the closer. And that is the bazooka uh, Brewstar Gratterall. Yeah, he um, he actually came in and pitched two innings um, in that game, and 
Yeah, looked really good and has looked good. He's had a couple of times, you know, there's been some uh, games where it's like, this is what's going on here, but he's looked a lot sharper and especially um, in this game four against the Cubs. So yeah, just a crazy game um, and a wild outcome, you know, obviously for the Dodgers, 11 to nine, uh, 10 and one on the homestand, first time since 1980. All right. So the uh, the Dodgers have um, a short week for all purposes, only five games, three of them in uh, St. Louis. And so that may seem like more than a week because it's probably going to be hot and muggy in uh, down along the river there. Uh, to take on the Cardinals, and so we'll get to see Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and uh, and those guys. And you know, one guy talking about um, snubs would have been um, Tommy Edmond, who at the beginning of the season was he was leading everybody in WAR. He was every every time you turned on uh, highlights, he was the highlight machine, and. He, I, he's kind of faded off a little bit from there and didn't make the uh, the All-Star game. Can he blame his teammate, Albert Pujols, for not making the All-Star game? Maybe, because he Just was because the legend. That, he was the legend pick. <laughs> that's right. So, Tommy, just got to become a legend, dude. That's it. But Yachty's not there. Wainwright's not there. So, you know, uh, of course, neither one of them are, uh, you know, leading – the the current leader in uh, all the baseball offensive stats, like Albert is, uh, and then they're going to uh, to finish up uh, the week with two in Anaheim, and so it's going to be a weird week because they only play on Friday and Saturday. They have Sunday off on the way into the All Star break. Now. They will start back up on the Thursday after. They won't wait till the Friday, so they will start for with a four-game set coming out of uh, the All-Star break. So maybe that's why they worked it out this way uh, to be off on the uh, on the Sunday. So you got that. Uh, it's time for our uh, player of the week. My player of the week is number nine, Gavin Lux. Wow. 466 um in the uh in these uh these games this home the uh games against the Cubs and the Rockies hit two triples hit a home run two RBIs and so. I I stayed with Justin Turner he uh 478 on the week a home run three RBIs uh, and an OPS of 1109 yeah there were a lot to choose from uh, this week, when you were going through and looking at box scores, uh, but yeah, I, I picked JT last week. I thought about picking him again, but I thought, give it to Gavin. Well, maybe I should have to help, uh, you know, bolster his trade value. <laughs> hey, he got the SRBB player of the week. We need this guy. That's it. That's how it goes. The new part big of your red machine. We've talked before about teams that you should beat. The Dodgers did it with uh, beating the Rockies, a team that they definitely should beat. 
Uh, even the Cubs are a team that they, they should beat, even though the Cubs are better than the Rockies overall. Um, the Angels were about to go into two series that were teams the May version of the Angels would have beaten or should have beaten. They come out of Houston completely demoralized, swept by the asterisks, and head to Miami. They got the 4th of July off, a little rest. They got to, you know, do whatever they get to do on the road. I don't know what 4th of July in Miami was like, but they could watch some fireworks and and uh, and have some, uh, some Cuban-American food for the 4th of July down there and uh, and and a day off and relax. Well, um, the problem for them was was that they started the series versus All-Star and Cy Young favorite right now, Sandy Alcantara, and the uh, who went 8 innings, gave up 2 hits and no runs and 10 strikeouts. Oh right, and 10 strikeouts. But uh, for the Angels that doesn't really seem to be like a big deal. Fish in a barrel, as far as them and strikeouts. What do we talk about? They've struck out like 50 more times than everybody else. Yeah, Uh, 10 is nothing. That's that's nothing. That's batting practice. Uh, Syndergaard on the mound for the Angels. He goes five innings, gives up two runs, strikes out eight on his own, but uh, gave up two home runs, one to Garrett Cooper, the other one to Brian De La Cruz. Um, Taylor Ward with a sacrifice fly scoring Michael Stefanik, and that would be all there was. Uh, it's a low scoring affair, two to one. So it's not as if the uh, the Marlins, I almost called them the Dolphins, the Marlins um, <laughs> ran over the Angels. It was just good pitching on Alcantara's part. Um, and had Syndergaard not given up the home runs, he would have, uh, you know, who knows how it would have ended up. Uh, game two has become when when Shohei's on the mound, it's kind of become like when Tony Gonsolin's on the mound for the Dodgers. You kind of just expect a win or at least a good outing. And once again, uh, we got a good outing. Shohei threw seven, gave up two hits, one run, and struck out ten on his own. Uh, so he's been doing that double-digit strikeouts his last uh, three outings. Yeah, looked really good. Uh, also uh, helped himself out, one for four, two RBIs and a stolen base. Uh, Taylor Ward, one for three with an RBI. Uh, Mike Trout did have an RBI in uh, in the game, but uh, was 0 for four. And then uh, had three players hit by pitches. Trout was one of them. Max Stassi and uh, recent call-up Monty Harrison all hit by a pitch uh, during that game. But there were no brawls. They must not have thrown at Mike's head. No. That's what the catalyst is. Yeah, usually. Although, like we talked about last week, Mariachi Joe got away with it. <laughs> but that's because it just means he likes you. It's like when, uh, mm-hmm. when, uh, when you get hit in the schoolyard... It's uh, it's not aggression. It's amor. <laughs> so they uh, packed up their things and headed up the coast to Baltimore and uh, took on a I'm not sure how to I guess you could say a surging Orioles team. Yeah, that also, again, seems like an oxymoron 
we talked about this last week. It doesn't sound right. Who, and Sergi, I thought Baltimore? about it that the Orioles, uh, spoiler alert, the Orioles sweep the, the Angels there and leading to an eight-game winning streak. And I thought about it first. I said, oh, that's pretty impressive. And then I realized that half of the wins in the winning streak were against the Angels. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Orioles had not won eight consecutive games in a season since 2005. Wow. Yeah, they've been struggling for uh, for a while. Doesn't seem like... Um, you know, it seems like they've just kind of fall apart and they have some good players. Rookie of the year candidate, Adley Rutschman, their catcher um, has uh, he hit a home run in the first game. Uh, he had a very awkward um, throw. Uh, Squid tried to um, um, steal second base or did steal second base. And when he came up throwing, he threw it awkwardly and it bounced just to the left and behind the pitcher's mound and rolled up there. So it was easy for him to get that, but it just, it looked like he was going to fall over when he threw it. And, uh, he's usually a, a lot more solid than that, but, uh, he seems to be comfortable up at that level level. Uh, Anthony Santander, uh, <laughs> two for four with a run scored. So they, uh, they walk away with a four to one win game two, a little closer, uh, five to four, and it was a walk-off for the Orioles. Mike Trout uh, started things off there. Three for five, three RBIs with a home run. Um, Shohei, three for five with an RBI and a home run. And then um, Reed Detmers, back from the minors because we needed him. Chase Silseth, uh, who has been pitching with the, the Trash Pandas, uh, started game one. Game two, Reed actually looked pretty good. Six innings pitch, only gave up two hits, no runs, struck out seven. But the uh, the Orioles are able to walk it off uh, thanks to a blown save by Rizal Iglesias. It's uh, his third of the season. He grabs the L on that. Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini uh, lead the offense in that game. And see, that that's the other thing. You've got these two guys who are both – Cedric Mullins is really becoming – uh, a, a really solid everyday player. And so they've got some players on that Oriole squad that they can build around and build up to. Plus they've got the, um, the all-star in uh, Jorge Lopez, one of their, uh, their relievers, uh, their closer, uh, who looked pretty well throughout that um, series. Now talking about people looking good, um, game three, was uh, was a squeaker, one to nothing, with the Orioles taking that one. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, though, uh, six and a third, gave up five hits, the one run, struck out ten, looked really good. And but as you can tell, there's no no offense. I didn't even write down anybody that did anything. If there was any hits or anything. It didn't matter. They couldn't score any runs uh, in that shutout. Uh, Anthony Santander uh, is the one who provided the offense, went two for four, and uh, drove in the one uh, RBI. Uh, and then finally, time to wrap things up in this four-game set. Uh, a little more offense. Uh, Nine to five victory for the Orioles. That was the brunch game on uh, the Peacock Network, Peacock app. 
And I was looking through what did the Oriole players do? And I realized that it was much easier to state who didn't have a hit than who did. Uh, Cedric Mullins and um, Rob McKenna uh, were the only two starters without a hit. Um, Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, one of last year's uh, top rookies, uh, Santander, and then Jorge Mateo, all with multiple hits. Jorge Mateo with a uh, with a stolen base. Uh, the Angels, uh, it was mostly pitching issues there. Max Stassi did have a home run, one for four, two RBIs. And then Monty Harrison, uh, two for four, three RBIs and a home run. So big game for uh, for the rookie call-up. Um, looking okay overall. Don't know how much longer he'll be up, but uh, he'll be there for, you know, probably as long as they need him. Uh, Jose Suarez and Elvis Paguero were uh, were the pitchers who really gave up the bulk of the runs. Uh, they uh, two hit. Now they head for home, like we talked about. The Dodgers heading on the road. Problem for the Angels now is is that they have to meet up once again with the Asterix. They've got three against them and their four all-stars. And uh, two of them are pitchers that, uh, and especially Framber Valdez is somebody they almost always have issues with. And uh, hopefully they don't have to see him this time, but they'll probably have to see uh, Verlander. So, you know, the thing is, can they beat somebody home? Can they do something to go strong into the all-star break? And then, like we talked about, they'll have the Dodgers for the last two of that season series uh, on the interleague uh, and the freeway series. So we'll talk about that next week. This week, any players of the week for you? Um, I almost didn't have one, but I went back and looked through everything. And I went with your player of the week last week. I went with Luis Renjifo, not because he was like, stellar batting average or anything but he had a hit in every game <laughs> he had a hit <laughs> in every game so he at least had a hit <laughs> so i went with luis renjifo uh for my player of the week that's not a bad one i probably if i was going to go for a real player of the week um shohei's probably the the best option overall but uh, I went with no player of the week. Uh, there's just not anything going on with the um, with the Angels uh, overall that allows for. Yeah, I struggled because I was like, eh, don't give it to anybody. And then I thought, well, I'll give it to him. I think that the Angels need to get Joe Madden back. Um, I think they need to, Perry Maniason needs to go and on his hands and knees and uh, get Joe back. Uh, Mike Trout in an interview in Baltimore has the attitude of, yeah, it's one of those games. It's one of those games. Every game, Mike. If we go back to last week and we talk about what uh, the article in the athletic Sam Blums was that they have a toxic positivity problem. They do. I, you know, I even thought about it. Um, I don't remember who it was that uh, they hit a double play him to a double play in Baltimore. And I'm thinking Phil Nevin's probably sitting there thinking, I wish he would have just struck out. Yeah, <laughs> because, well, I found another gym 
by Sam Bloom of the Blum of the Athletic. And he talked about this tweet from a Blue Jays fan, but could not be any more. I mean, it's so true. This mm-hmm. is a guy, his name's Matt English, and uh, he tweeted out in May of 2021. Every time I see an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528, while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tungsten Arm O'Doyle of the 1921 Akron Gamesmen <laughs> as the Tigers defeated the Angels 8-3. to Right. And as I was like... The team, insert whatever team... That is team so true. Defeated yeah. the Angels. But... So Sam uh, Blum goes on to say, this has happened. On May 29th, Otani hit two home runs versus Toronto. And June 21st versus Kansas City, the Angels lost. In the loss to Kansas City, Otani drives in eight runs. Uh, April 23rd, Mike Trout homered twice, the Angels lost. June 28th, Trout and Otani both homered, and the Angels lost. July 8th, Trout and Otani both homered and the Angels lost. And they drove, those two players drove in all four runs. Um, He also goes on to say in the article that only four other position players have an OPS over 700. One of them is Michael Stefanik, and he's only been up like, what, a week? A couple weeks Uh, now, yeah. Monty Harrison, who has two hits this season. Uh, the team scored four runs or fewer in 33 of 43 games dating to May 25th and is 11 and 32 in that time. The Angels bullpen, um, their ERA entering Sunday was 4.07. The Angels have gone 6 and 25 uh, since the second game of the doubleheader on June 2nd. Otani lost the first game that day. And four of those six wins came in Seattle, where Trout homered five times in one series and carried the team to victory. The Angels have gone 5-0 and in Otani starts since June 2nd, and he has a 0.27 ERA during that stretch. Uh, that is the Angels. That, is, that tweet right. is the Angels. It, and it I think encapsulated need, perfectly. Yes. And the it, if they're not looking for a manager because the interim guy, he needs to go. They need to do something because I don't know what's going on. This was a team that even Ken Rosenthal was like cautiously optimistic about. And now they're back to, oh, yeah, it's the Angels. It's at the beginning of the season when they signed Syndergaard. And people were like, what? I wasn't unhappy with the Syndergaard signing. I thought that $21 million was a bit much. But I understood that's, that's what it takes to get somebody. But Anybody that spoke out about this, like, are you crazy? It's Thor. It's this. And we're this. And, you know, you, you all you you're not real angel fans. No, I am a real angel fan. My whole life. I've been a real angel fan. I've suffered through bad teams. We've had great players and really bad teams. 
And that's a lot of what's happening here. It's when you look at the worst teams, you look at Cincinnati, they got Joey Votto. Shouldn't that mean something? Sure, it should, but there's nobody else there. You know, when people are talking about how is it that we have Trout and Otani on this team and we're as bad as we are, I tweeted out and in a reply to somebody, when I was a kid, Dr. J and George Iceman Gervin both averaged like over 37 points a game each. And I remember asking dad, this was for the Virginia Squires, why is it that the Squires always lose when they're both able to score like that? And he said, when you only score 80 points a game, you're not going to win very much because that's it. These two guys are carrying them all. And the reason that they're able to stop things is because Otani stops the other team on the mound and then provides his own offense. Maybe Mike Trout, who's overall been consistent, but had he's been he's had big stretches of inconsistency of or or lack of production. So my at this point, I, I just wonder if next season is is the as uh, Otani's walk season. It's his last one under contract. If they can't get an extension done with him, which if I'm Otani, I'm probably holding out till the last possible minute. Are they trading him next year at trade deadline to get something for him before he walks away from the Angels? Part of the reason why he he went with the Angels is because he saw that there was no dominant pitcher there and that he could come in and take that role. Yeah, which he has. I mean, I say bring back Joe Madden, but really uh, we need they need a new owner. Um, That's really what's needed. I mean, it needs to be from the top down. Yeah, firing Joe Madden was not the problem. And uh, right, it's not solving it. And you might as well just let Phil Nevin ride out the season. The Angels continue to fall farther and farther now. I mean, something could change. It's not like they can't come back from this. They just have to have now, instead of just continuing to play good baseball and win as many games as they can, it kind of gets taken out of their hands that even if they start winning, you've got to hope that all these other teams that are in front of you for the playoffs, for the wild card, start losing and losing big. And uh, doesn't appear likely. I mean, stranger things have happened. There have been major collapses, but you're talking four or five teams that have to collapse. And you can't. You have to play perfect baseball. Yeah, you can't have Mike Trout have a 0 for 16 uh, stint. He's got to be on it, and along with the rest of the lineup. 16 with 27 strikeouts. Yeah, it's <laughs> not acceptable. No. <laughs> Dugout card just pulled up, so let's take a ride around baseball, see what's happening. We'll start off like we always do with some minor league conversation. The Futures game, which will happen on Saturday the 16th, is um, we saw uh, three Dodgers make the Futures game and one Angel. Uh, The Angel is Kai Bush, a pitcher who's been uh, pitching at double A with the Trash Pandas. Uh, the uh, the Dodgers uh, catcher Diego Gartaya, which we've talked about a few times here of having some great weeks, uh, moved from Rancho Cucamonga up to high A at Great Lakes. He's part of that. Bobby Miller, who we talked about last week, um, and uh, and what kind of, um, you know, he's a fireballer and uh, a lot of uh, 
a lot, putting up a lot of zeros, uh, no earned runs in quite a few innings, things like that. Uh, pitching in Tulsa, uh, Miguel Vargas uh, out of Oklahoma City, another pitcher the, for the Angels. All of those guys are going to be in the Futures game. Now, what grabbed me about the Futures game was two things. Number one, the teams aren't necessarily selected from the best uh, players that are out there across because every team submits a roster of players that they're willing to let go play in this game. And a lot of times it's, you know, they're they're They don't want a pitcher to go and pitch in uh, in, you know, an exhibition game because they don't like what it might do to their development plan of that pitcher or a player who might have a, you know, or maybe they've got some, maybe some possible injury issues. Um, so that was one thing. So some of the players that are played are just because they were the ones that were um, available. Um, a lot of them are are worthy, but not all of them are having great years. Like uh, Jack Leiter, the Rangers' number one pick last year out of Vanderbilt. He's not been pitching very well, yet uh, he made the team. Um, but the bigger thing that I saw was the um, coaching staffs, the uh, the futures teams. Uh, Jimmy Rollins, remember him from uh, the, yeah. the Phillies? He's the manager. Yeah. Jerry Manuel is a bench coach. Edwin Jackson, uh, pitcher, is uh, the pitching coach. Adrian Beltre is the hitting coach. Just Yet, don't touch his head. Don't touch his head, but Jeremy Reed is the Angels hitting coach. Maybe they should be talking to Adrian Beltre. He of over 3,000 oh, hits and 500 home runs. I think that would be excellent. Um, That'd be a start of something. Right. And then uh, Gary Matthews Jr. Uh, is the first base coach. Uh, Dan Otero is in the bullpen. All of these guys, former major leaguers, and uh, most of them you've heard of. And then when you get to the other team, They've got a pretty good, um, a pretty good coaching staff as well, led by three former Angels organization employees. The manager, Mike Sosha. Yeah, I love Mike Sosha. And then uh, his bench coach was uh, his first base coach uh, with the uh, with the Angels, including the 2002 championship team, Alfredo Griffin, uh, former Angels pitcher. And Diamondbacks pitcher, Dan Heron is the pitching coach. Uh, the hitting coach, former Dodger, and a pretty good hitter in his own right, Sean Green. Oh, yeah. Uh, another former Dodger, but more known as a Red, Eric Davis is the, uh, the first base coach. And then, uh, and then the, uh, the third base coach is uh, the manager of the Gwinnett Strippers, Stripers, I mean. Um, <laughs> Matt Tiasopo is uh, is the third base coach. So a really good coaching staff on both sides of the uh, of the diamond there. And uh, so these guys, hopefully these kids will learn quite a bit uh, from hanging out with these guys. Yeah, soak uh, it all in. Yep. So the Futures game coming up on uh, on Saturday the 16th. So that's uh, this Saturday. Let's take a look now uh, before we get to craziness in baseball uh, in Cincinnati. Let's look at the players of the week. 
Who's the AL? I, the AL player of the week is Corey Seager of the Texas Rangers. Haven't heard a lot about Corey uh, this season. He's doing his thing. Because he know. plays in Texas. Right, exactly. But he's doing his thing. Um, he plays he in batted, a giant barbecue. <laughs> he batted 500 with a 1.601 OPS during the week. He had an AL best four home runs and had multiple hits in five of six games. He also only struck out once, and he also hit three home runs in three consecutive games. And then our National League Player of the Week is Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves. He hit 448 with three doubles, three home runs, and a 1.346 OPS and his eight RBIs were tied for the most by an NL player. Sweet. All right. So, Dateline, Cincinnati, or was it Tampa Bay? Where were they? It was Cincinnati. They were in at Cincinnati home. at home. And something that had only happened 22 times before it in the history of baseball happened again. In walk-off fashion, the Reds grab a W over the Tampa Bay Rays, thanks to a walk-off balk. Yeah, in the bottom of the 10th, so we're in Zinnings, Nick Senzel uh, laid down a sacrifice bunt. He moved the automatic runner, the ghost runner, from second to third. And then Tampa Bay's reliever, Matt Weissel, balked, and the run scored. And it was a walk-off balk for the Reds. And the the Reds announcers were just going crazy. And they said, he balked. He balked. They walked it off. He balked. That's what happens when your team doesn't win a lot. <laughs> right. You get excited about a balk. You know, what's kind of crazy is, is that um, – you know, I, I had to watch it two or three times because there's been times that I've seen where there's been, oh, the, there was a Bach and I go back and look at it and I'm like, if you're not really paying attention, you, you miss it. And yeah. all he did was the, you have to come and set. So in your windup, at some point you have to stop completely. And he moved his glove. And to me, it's not a distraction or a deceptive move, I didn't think. It's almost like just having a nervous twitch. It could have been part of his windup or whatever, but it, it wasn't. And that movement ended up being the Bach. To me, that's no way for the game to, to end. No, but I think what happened is they heard the announcer <laughs> from the booth and... Bach rang out across the stadium. And he's like, I'm going to call that a Bach for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like that Taco Bell commercial where you hear the ding. They hear the ding. It was was, Bach. Have you ever noticed, though, that in, in a lot of their commercials, it's like the guy and the girl they meet on the beach or the latest one, they're both playing on a co ed softball team. And they're kind of like, ooh, I kind of like you. And both times when the bell rings in their, you know, that Taco Bell sound, the girl leaves. Yeah. 
It's always and the she, girl. She doesn't just go and get a taco, even though it says sometimes you just need a taco. In this last one, she's eating like three of those um, crunchy quesaritos or whatever they call them. I don't know what it is, whichever thing they have. And it's not like she's just got one of them. She's got three of them. Yeah. That bell rang and rang hard. And she's like, I don't care, dude, if you turn your, you know, put on a rally cap and are trying to root on the team. Taco Bell is more important. Not that I disagree with that. Taco Bell is pretty important. But I just wonder why, who's writing the commercials, and why does it always kind of work that same way? Yeah, they have the formula. They just stuck with it. They are, they, they've locked in on that That's, one. <laughs> they have. All right. So the last couple of weeks, we've talked about City Connect uniforms. And it started off in a conversation about... 17 paragraphs uh, uh what was it it was a novel uh the 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 description of the angels city connects rivals war and peace for total length yeah and uh even james joyce got up from his grave and said i don't understand more people are understanding war and peace so we talked about it tore apart the the uh the jerseys talked about some stuff we liked about the jerseys like when they don't wear them then we also had the colorado rockies at that same time i was like wow that really makes sense and it was one thing we just looked at the license plate that seemed to sum up colorado so we did like a state connect instead of a city connect but uh that's the city connect kind of thing too for denver so there we are simple since then, we've had a couple of others come out, but by far the worst has been unveiled. Of the 14, this is number 14 so far in the City Connect jerseys. This one is the worst, and it's courtesy of the San Diego Padres. Yeah, the Padres are the seventh and final team to release their City Connect uniforms this season, and uh, each jersey design is a celebration of the unique personality, traditions, and values that unite the fans of every club. The Padres debuted theirs on Friday, and they're going to wear them every Friday when they have home games. Now, speaking of Taco Bell, um, especially in the 90s, the colorful uniforms of the San Diego Padres feature sleeves of pink and mint with San Diego emblazoned across the chest in those same hues. They feature outlines of yellow and then taken as a whole, the uniforms are meant to match the vibrant colors of San Diego's fabled pink and yellow sunsets beyond the Pacific Ocean. They're also a nod to the landscapes and artwork of San Diego and nearby Baja Peninsula. And a big portion of the team's fan base hails from Tijuana, Mexico, and the surrounding areas in Baja, California. So this is not just a city connect. This is like international connect. Region connect. Yes. International connect, yeah. But they are ugly. Yes, they are um, a lot of tweets about it. There's one with uh, a, a 
a look on Manny Machado's face. He's wearing it and he's got that look and somebody put uh, um, look on the Taco Bell employee's face when you come in five minutes before closing. And it really does look like like that. That was the perfect the perfect tweet. They won that day. Um, the way the San Diego was written across, I like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool, the font. The hat is not bad, you know, by itself. It's like, well, it's not the brown and yellow or the brown and orange that they had for a lot of years. Um, but just as a whole, and when you look at the catcher uh, and and all that, people were like making fun of, uh, you know, it's like my little pony wants their accessories back. Um <laughs> All that they really needed was it was like some five-year-olds during arts and crafts time using the neon colors. They just needed some um, some glitter. That's it. That, to that's really, what needed to really set it off. Right. And so at that point, it would have gone from what in the world? Or as Blanca said, is that a joke? Or people wrote, are they really wearing these? Uh, were some was some of the the most of the the comments on Twitter. Um, had there been the glitter, I think it would have gone from horrible to fantastic. Oh yeah, everybody, glitter just is exciting. Everybody likes it. Um, they could have glitter cannons go off like if they had right. a win on Fridays when at home when they wear them and they win the game they could have glitter cannons they could have a whole thing like a whole theme and uh, they could give out like neon eye black stuff and the play or the the fans could all put it on and um you know I mean I do remember especially in the 80s you go down to San Diego and you're out like in the beach shops or, you know, the shoreline village and that a lot of the stuff, but it was the same, like up at Venice beach or in, in Huntington beach, you know, so the beach areas, a lot of the neon colors, but that was eighties. Right. That was the eighties. I, I also heard if you, if you remember, uh, I think they're still out. I don't know the, Arizona iced tea. I think they also have like lemonade and stuff, but Arizona iced tea, their cans are very similar to the uniforms of the Padres. Right. They do look a lot like that. So uh, of the 14, the Padres are ranked 39th. Because <laughs> that's just, it's just terrible. You know, when you look at it, it's like, um, I, I wonder too, are they trying to do too much? Because if you look at like the D packs are very, very plain. Yeah, they're very simple. I, I have said that the D backs, um, and I think it was because Madison Bumgarner was pitching and they were wearing their city connects. They looked like old timey, uh, uniforms <laughs> to me. Um, I think cause they're like the cream colored or the ivory, you know, and, uh, just nothing flashy. I think though they have like so many different versions of their regular uniform. They needed to just do something. I think it's just supposed to be desert looking. Yeah. With black and stripes. That would be <laughs> serpent days, still diamondbacks or snakes. And, uh, and go from there. Um, you know, like we said, we know we've talked about the angels, the Dodgers we're good with. It's all blue. 
So they're like the the NFL's color rush, where they're all one color and and vibe. The the big thing with the Dodgers was the changing of the hat on those with the black um, brim. Yeah, really sharp looking. I would say out of the seven teams that had their City Connects uh, debuted this season. Uh, my favorite is the Rockies, and then um, I also uh, like the Asterix. Yeah, the Asterix were pretty good with theirs. Um, you know, some of them, like even Miami, who's got a brightly colored kind of that uh, orange or red color kind of fits in with the with their area. That one, had they come out with um, if the what the Padres put out, if Miami had done, you would almost said, okay, because it would have yeah. even reminded you of that, um, that scene they had out in the outfield with the palm trees and all that stuff. It would have fit right. in with that. Um, I still think that the Cubs Wrigleyville, um, jerseys, uh, are probably one of the best Milwaukee's are, I think just slightly better than um than the Padres definitely better than um I don't even know if they're better than the Angels they're just the same they're yeah there wasn't great. really anything um different because the Brewers wear um blue jerseys sometimes you know right. like powder so it wasn't like it was a different scheme or um, and they had their airport, you know, like the airport locator um, on their hat. Oh, I thought that was um, just some guy from Milwaukee named Mike. Right. Like, well, hey, Mike's our, he's our biggest fan. We're just going to put that up on our hat. We're honoring him. We're honoring Mike. That's it. Well, I mean, you know, you think everybody's name is Michael. So why I not? Do. I do. Right. Yeah. I was careful this time. Make sure I yes. checked everyone's name. What I can say is, is that we were like, uh, and it didn't get a lot of, um, a lot of coverage. I mean, here or anywhere, I didn't hear a lot of, of talk about it, but it, all of these make the Kansas city Royals fountain jerseys and city connects look all that much better. Yeah. And, uh, they're just, you know, and they're, again, there's not really anything fancy. I think. Maybe with those ones, they're just kind of plain, but I do like adding the glitter to the Padres. I think that would be the ultimate. And it'll be good for um, the parades after they, if they, if they're able to beat the Dodgers, the parades that they have, like they won the World Series through Gaslamp, having the glitter on there will make it seem like Mardi Gras. Yeah. And then you could like, you know, just a lot of things you could throw in there. Right. And accessorize, accessorize, accessorize. All right. So we go from beating up on the Padres and their uniform choice for City Connect to a scary moment between a couple of Padres. Uh, C.J. Abrams and Jerks and Profar. And it seems to me like I never really hear much about Profar. Unless they're playing the Dodgers. He seems to step up and be a thorn in their side most of the time. Um, however, uh, this time we talk about it, we're not going to be talking bad about him because he took a shot to the head, courtesy of C.J. Abrams' knee uh, in a collision. Yeah. 
This was a case of um, they went to the Gavin's Lux School of, uh, you know, who's got the ball, where's the ball, who gets out of the way. Uh, because they went to the they, Gavin Lux uh, fielding <laughs> camp. Yes, they went to the fielding camp in the off season. Uh, yeah. He, Wait, really, he did, I mean, does this, Gavin Lux? He's there. He's like, uh, okay, we're gonna work on fly balls. Okay, no, that was okay, except you didn't run into the other guy. His <laughs> ribs are still intact. You have to injure your teammate for it to be a successful fly ball catch. That's it. You got to. And if you're playing shortstop or second base, you go out of your way to get the ball that really is for the left fielder, right fielder, anybody else but you. Um, right. Yeah, this is just a really bad uh, collision. Uh, he just was knocked out. Um, Profar, his head hit C.J. Abrams' knee. He did attempt to get up and walk. And a lot of people are saying, why would the trainer allow this? Because it's like his head went like a different way. Yeah, so, it snapped his neck over to one side. Yeah. And, uh, I think he ended up with, uh, like a neck stinger, they said. Um, yeah. And a concussion. And as you were saying, they get up to walk off the field. And they were like, they were out into the outfield a little bit there in left field. He walked a few steps. He was just before the infield started. And down he went. Yeah, he collapsed on the field. He was taken off the field in a stretcher, taken to uh, UC San Diego Health, um, stayed overnight for observation, but he is out indefinitely um, with a concussion and a neck strain um, because that was just really scary, but glad that it wasn't, you know, could have been so much worse. For sure. So he'll be uh, he'll be going through concussion protocols and all that. And probably um, he'll probably be like unofficially uh, because if with the concussion spinning won't be good for him. No. Yeah. So so he might have to kind of set to the side for his uh, trip on the wheel. Oh, I am. He's going to be spinning on the wheel for a while. We're going to give an update on Ozzy Albies. He is on the 60-day IL. He has a fractured foot. He underwent surgery last week to stabilize that fracture in his left foot. Uh, Rafael Devers is day-to-day with a sore back. Uh, Christian Arroyo is on the IL with a left groin strain. And uh, Kyle Hendricks is on the 15-day IL with a shoulder injury. He did have an MRI. Um, there was no structural damage, so that's good news for him. Uh, Jake Berger of the White Sox is on the IL with a bone bruise in his hand. Red's Joey Votto is uh, day-to-day with a sore back. Um, it might be from him doing those uh, TikTok dances. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is on the uh, 10-day IL with an injured hand. So he is a reserve 
in the uh, All-Star, for the All-Star game. So we will see if that holds up. Whit Merrifield of the Royals is listed day-to-day. He has swelling and a bone bruise in his toe. Uh, Michael Lorenzen is on the 15-day IL with shoulder soreness. He also had an MRI. No structural damage was found, so that is good for him. Chris Taylor has a fractured foot. He was hit um, by a pitch and uh, was taken out of the game. uh, And then I think the next day came out to play, and then they found out he has a fractured foot. So he is out. Jazz Chisholm Jr. is on the IL with the sore back. He also is one of the starters for the All-Star game. Starling Marte is day-to-day with a groin injury, another All-Star. Alex Bohm of the Phillies is listed day-to-day with a finger injury. Craig Stammen of San Diego is on the uh, 15-day IL for pitchers with shoulder inflammation. And this one I left for last. Brian Reynolds of the Pirates is on the 10-day IL with an oblique strain. Oblique, oblique, oh my sa, ah, 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 oh my, my sa, So that is a spin on the wheel of IL. All right, so lots going on coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, the biggest thing is going to be the All-Star game as we finish out uh, kind of the the – the first half of the season, first half plus. Um, and uh, so the next big thing after that's going to be the trade deadline, which will happen in early August. Um, and we'll see, obviously we talked a little earlier about, um, about like Luis Castillo from the Reds is, is a big name out there is like probably the number one pitcher. Uh, being out there, his teammate, Tyler Mall was uh, another one who's been injured. So they're like, how's that going to play out? Frankie Montas, there was worries that he was going to go on the IL, but uh, they found he didn't have any kind of issues, just some inflammation. And it was just a matter of, you know, working through it. He's been pitching. So those are three guys that we expect to see. And then I brought up that uh, recently, uh, Pittsburgh reliever and all-star David Bednar name has uh, popped up and uh the dodgers have uh have of course i think the dodgers pop up right now with any player that might make them better and especially because they're having issues in the bullpen uh primarily with their closer uh, looking at you know some of the top line players uh, i i know that uh, a couple people saying well with any another bat ian hap's name um Eon Hap uh, name popped up. So, you know, that's kind of the way it is. And a lot of times I wonder if if it just comes up, hey, the Dodgers are interested because then that might get somebody else. And we don't want the Dodgers to have them, you know. Right. Yeah, nobody wants the Dodgers you to know? have them. Let me think about I it. Think they that's got true. Scherzer and Turner last year. And even though it didn't work out exactly what they wanted, it made them more formidable than they already were. Um, and, uh, and picking up, I don't know that they necessarily need the offense. If, uh, if everybody can keep playing the way they're doing and we can see at least, um, more, more consistency out of say Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger and that, and get, uh, Chris Taylor back, then, um, 
then that'll change it up. But I think a lot of times it's a it's a trading or a negotiating ploy. Well, the Dodgers are interested. He's uh, talking about getting Andrew Benatendi, who plays for the Royals, and uh, shopping around Joey Gallo. Which, why would you want Joey Gallo? I mean, I, I, I don't know that I would trade at Andrew Benatendi for Joey Gallo. No, you get I don't. really nothing in return <laughs> other than that a little bigger a contract trade. No, I mean, I get that the the Yankees are trying to do anything they can to to keep and have the best players. I mean, right now, they're the best team in baseball. They're the first over 60 wins. Nobody else does. Uh, even with the surge the Dodgers have been on, um, they're not to 60 yet. They might be by the end of this week, this coming week of games. Yeah, I I, I saw that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know that that would be <laughs> – that's not a trade I would take. Another name that has popped up but I doubt will happen is Madison Bumgarner, uh, that the uh, Diamondbacks might shop him around, but he has a hefty – still has a hefty amount left on his contract and he has like a five team no trade uh, clause so I don't know what five teams those would be but uh, and I don't know I mean that he's the Madison Bumgarner that we knew you know when he was with San Francisco right not the same guy no he could be helpful but yeah I don't know the you know, is it, is it worth it? Uh, you know, in the long run, uh, Thor, Noah Syndergaard, uh, you know, he's on a one year deal could very well end up being traded off. Uh, you know, if the angels, uh, right now it looks like the angels will probably be sellers. So we'll get more into that once we get past the all-star game and we'll have a better idea of what's going on. Uh, we'll also talk draft next time we are together. And then uh, once again, want to let you know, and you want to keep watching our uh, Instagram. And uh, where are we on Instagram? We are on Instagram at sibling rivalry BB with the A. And that's and on Facebook, Facebook as well. Okay. And then Twitter is at sibling rivalry BB without the A. And online, we're at siblingrivalrybb.com. So watch our Instagram page because your chance to win an SRBB t-shirt will be there. And one lucky grand prize winner is also going to get a $40 gift card from Game Day Chic, uh, which has some great uh, baseball t-shirts. And uh, have you uh, gotten your, your pictures together so you can show them model some of your game day chic t-shirts. Yes, so that, uh, I lined so up a photographer and, uh, that will be happening. And, uh, you can see me model many of, because, uh, most of my wardrobe during the summer is all courtesy of either baseballism or game day chic, all baseball all the time. Right. And even in the winter, she just has a jacket on over top of her yeah. long sleeve. Also, um, Fanatics is also another one. And you can go to our website at Sibling Rivalry BB. Click on the link for Fanatics. There's a Dodger link, an Angel link, uh, link. And click on there. Get some of your favorite fan gear. The new All-Star uniforms are out. Uh, they look pretty sharp with the gold. You know, you're in Hollywood. It's got to be glitzy. And uh, pick up that, and then you'll be not only helping your wardrobe, but helping out our podcast as well. Exactly. 
So check all that out. We will be back with you next week to uh, wrap up the first half of the season, talk about the freeway series, uh, how the Dodgers did in St. Louis, um, how the Angels did. Could the Angels beat the Asterisks at all uh, when they uh, when they came home? Who knows? All of that and uh, and more next week right here on the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Uh, thanks for stopping in, and don't forget to swing away. You're 